have been speaking about our vision for the year, if you don't know already, because it's right there on the wall, move again, that's our vision for 2022. And um, I was just asking, I'm praying, I'm like, Lord, Father, what do you have for your girls tonight? What is it that you would want me to share? And I really felt God would want me to share about his love, to move again into his love to move again into his love, his beautiful love for us. And coming out of um, COVID and coming out of a really hectic two years, it's, I think some of us are only feeling the effects now. It's been a radical two years. There's been a lot of loss. There's been a lot of heartache. There's been a lot of, um, yeah, just difficulty and disappointment. And um, I think a lot of us might be feeling a bit tired and worn out, I'm not quite sure, or maybe it's just me. <laughs> I've been on three months sabbatical, and it's been the first term, and I'm right, wow, okay, it's all happening. I need grace, <laughs> I need God, I need you. But um, I just feel like there's no better a time than now to be reminded of God's love for us. I really do, I really, really felt that on my heart, like God wants to remind you of his love for you, and what it is to be loved by a father. And um, it's so interesting speaking to my boys, I've got three boys, um, about love, right? Okay, it's very interesting because they're all different ages, the eight-year-old, the 12-year-old, and the 13-year-old. So the eight-year-old thinks it's really, really gross. It's really gross. It's not cool. The 12-year-old is kind of starting to notice girls. So I can see his eyes wander a little bit, and then, you know, and then the 13-year-old is... Uh, way too interested in the girls. <laughs> so I'm glad he's at an all-boys school, so that's a good thing. Um, and he definitely thinks he knows everything that, you know, about love, which he definitely doesn't, and I try to remind him. Um, but, yeah, so they're all very intrigued with, by love, and they all have a different perspective. But, you know, we all need love, don't we? We all need love. We all need to be loved. This is something that God has put inside of us. This is how he's designed us. And um, God is a God of love. God has always been about love. From right in the beginning, the book of Genesis, the first book of the Bible, we see Adam and Eve, and we see a picture of, of what marriage is and intimacy and the first marriage. And then right at the end in Revelation, uh, we have a picture of Jesus, the bridegroom, coming back for his bride. And um, the whole meta-narrative of the whole Bible, the big picture, the big story is actually one big love story. It really, really is. And, um, you know, the enemy's real, right? The enemy's real. His name's Satan. And I think the thing Satan hates most is intimacy. That's what I think. I think the thing Satan hates most is intimacy, this love relationship between God and his daughters, his children. And um, the enemy loves lying to you, saying, he doesn't love you. Look how much you've lost over the last two years. Or look how many times you've been trying to apply for that job and you're handing in all these CVs and you're not getting any replies. Look, God doesn't love you. Perhaps, um, you know, he'll say things like, he'll lie to you a hundred times a day. You're not good enough. You're not smart enough. You're not pretty enough. Um, you don't deserve God's love. You don't deserve God's love. 
perhaps he distracts you. That's, that's a big one, hey, for us girls. He distracts you. You get so busy. We are so busy and running around like a headless chicken, <laughs> doing all good things and amazing things. But he, we get too busy that we don't even get to spend time with God and we don't even get to dig deep into his word or come to church or life group and, and be with God's people and really get to know more about God. But I think intimacy is our secret weapon against the enemy, and it must be fought for. It must be fought for, girls. I really felt this strongly on my heart tonight for you girls. And um, unfortunately, the world has a warped sense of love, right? And what it is to be loved. I mean, you just look at these crazy uh, Hollywood romantic movies. It's all a little bit absurd. There's you know, sex, sex without strings. Um, you know, you look at the series, TV series like The Bachelorette. It's really crazy, The Bachelor. I mean, that is so ridiculous. And then I do like to watch it, though. Because <laughs> I just think it's amazing. I mean, not amazing. I think it's so ridiculous. Like, but I'm so intrigued. And Mark's like, why are you watching this? I'm like, it's just, I just can't believe this is what they do. It's crazy. And um, um, I heard there's a, a TV series called Married at First Sight. Oh, yeah, you see. So you girls all know. <laughs> Married at First Sight. I mean, it's, it's crazy. Uh, have you seen the documentary Tinder, uh, what is it? Tinder Swindler? Yo, you girls, hey? It is, but it, you know, it's good to watch this stuff because this is what happens. This is what happens in our world. And um, Mark told me, I didn't know it was a word, but there's such a thing as thruple couples. Yes. Yes. It's three people as a couple. Three. And they're called thruple couples. And I'm like, gosh, Lord. Wow. The world really is clueless about love. The world really is clueless. And, you know, I had a warped sense of love growing up, and I think my story is not an uncommon story. I think there's a lot of us here that have perhaps been through the same thing, and um, I wanted to be loved. I wanted to be accepted. What girl doesn't, right? My parents got divorced when I was going into high school, so there was this broken picture of marriage. And um, as a young teenager growing up, I was highly insecure. I was highly, highly insecure. I didn't know who I was. I had no sense of self-worth or self-value. Um, I had, uh, uh, I remember trying to find somebody who loved me, who would accept me and, um, and love me. And I, actually, I had to give a lot away in order to find that love and acceptance, unfortunately. And I think it's not an uncommon story, but... Um, you know, okay, I'm giving away my age here. Those of you who are over 40, I kind of, <laughs> I kind of got into the, I got into a wrong crowd, and this is before I knew Jesus, and um, yeah, got in, you know, because I was so insecure, I just would do anything to get into the right social circles. So I got, you know, dabbled in drugs and got into the rave scenes. I mean, I could wear hot pants and boots and dance on that speaker like, you know, crazy. You wouldn't say so. There's this pastor's wife. But anyway, I'm letting everything out. Um, but <laughs> but um, yeah, I did fall off the speaker the once, which wasn't great. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I would give a lot away in order to find this love and acceptance, and eventually giving away my virginity, and um, thinking that, I that 
I would find love. And, but instead, I felt less loved. I felt less secure. I felt lost and broken and hurt and bruised and damaged. And by God's grace and by his mercy, um, I got saved and um, I got radically saved, actually. I was, it was crazy. God really worked such a deep work in my life and, uh, and he worked really fast in my life. I was in need of healing, physical healing at that time. And I was tired of going to doctors and lots of sickness and things just didn't, I didn't understand what was going on with me. And my one friend at work said, come, we're going to pray for you at home. Uh, a couple of my Christian friends. So I'm like, oh, okay, I'll just go. Um, this, was, this girl was kept telling me to come to church, come to church. And eventually I'm like, oh, I'll just do it just to keep her quiet. So I went and um, they all started praying for me. And they started praying in tongues, which I wasn't used to as well. But the presence of God in that moment I just felt the love of God. I felt God's power race through my body. I felt God, um, not an audible voice, but I felt God say to me, will you lay down your life for me and will you follow me? And I haven't been, I haven't been the same ever since. My whole life has turned 180 degrees and it's been an incredible, incredible journey. And um, yeah, that day, God actually healed me physically. He took away all of my symptoms. And, but what I, what I didn't realize is that actually, I needed more than just physical healing. I needed my heart to be healed. I really needed my heart to be healed. And um, soon after that, I started to encounter the love of God. And I started to encounter the love of a father like a real love of a heavenly father. I was, I was at Glenridge Church at the time, and um, I was um, under Rory Dyer's ministry. Some of you might know him. He has preached here before. And wow, that man can preach about the father's love like nobody else. And I would just weep. I would just weep and worship. And God was, I didn't understand what was happening, but it was beautiful and it was amazing. And I felt like my heart was just, God is doing heart surgery, you know. And I would just weep and um, in worship, it would just be crazy. And um, since then, it's just been an ongoing journey of discovering God's love. And I don't think we'll ever fully grasp the magnitude of God's love. In Ephesians 3, um, the Apostle Paul, he prays, he says that you may have power together with all God's people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge. I love that, to know this love that surpasses knowledge. We will be on our deathbed one day and still learning about the love of God. I just, I love it. The Passion Translation of this is, I think this is beautiful, the great magnitude of the astonishing love of Christ in all its dimensions, how deeply intimate, how far-reaching is his love, how enduring and inclusive it is, endless love beyond measurement that transcends our understanding. This is the God we serve, girls. This is the God who loves you so dearly. And tonight, I just so... I want to speak, again, speak about move again into his love. If you want a title, that's your title. Move again into his love. Why don't you write that in the comment section? Move again into his love. And I'm just going to share four aspects of God's love tonight with us that I felt God highlights. Number one, God's love is a redeeming love. Now, going back to um, the Exodus story, which is our, our move again um, series and uh, vision, God basically 
in a one-liner, God redeems his people out of slavery, brings them into freedom, and eventually brings them into the promised land, the land of their inheritance, the land of Canaan. And this word redeem is, is amazing. It actually means to gain or regain possession of, to gain or regain possession of. These were God's people, Israel, that he redeemed out of slavery. These were his people, and he was their God, and he was going to get them back. And um, after many signs and wonders and miracles, you know, a lot of you know the story, God regains possession of his people. And today, I want to tell you, ladies, God wants to redeem you. He wants to redeem you. Um, I don't know... I don't know what's enslaving you. I don't know what has rulership or controls you or is overpowering, in a sense, in your life. I don't know what that is, but God knows. And I feel like God wants to bring you back, that you are his and that he is yours, and that he wants to take you out of that slavery. He wants to break those chains off of you, and he wants to bring you to himself, the love of a father. And I want to ask you today, who or what has ownership or possession over you? Because if it's not God, I'm telling you now, something else will, will, will do that. And um, I want to ask you, what is your Egypt today? For me personally, um, God redeemed me of many things. But one of the main things, I think, was he redeemed me of anxiety and fear. And I have shared a little bit about this before. But... Um, I always kind of struggled with a bit of anxiety and fear growing up. I would fear anything and everything. I would fear crowds. I would fear driving on, I remember even when I was older, driving on a highway and think I'd have these terrible visions of crashing and an accident and us all dying. I know that sounds very weird, but this was very real to me. And I would literally just, like, fear would just cripple me. I remember, um, yeah, just anything, fear of sickness and I would have these like panic attacks. I started having panic attacks in high school. I didn't know what was going on. My heart would beat so fast. My chest would close. My hands would go all sweaty. I'd get all dizzy. And um, these were just real manifestations of this fear that just gripped me constantly. And um, that scripture, 1 John 4 verse 18, that says God's perfect love drives out fear. His perfect love drives out fear. I had to hold on to that scripture, and God slowly but surely redeemed me and set me free of fear and anxiety. And there's little moments here and there that I still battle a bit with it, but um, I can honestly say to you today that I am free of fear and anxiety, and that was, that was a day-to-day -day trust in God. That was a getting into his word, knowing his promises over my life. It was declaring, it was, you know, walking in community amongst amazing Christian leaders and friends that would just help me. And I'm so grateful for that. But his perfect love drives out fear. He redeemed me. And God's redeeming love wants to set you ladies free tonight. I believe it. I really, really do. And I want to, I want to ask you, what is your Egypt today? Perhaps it's an unhealthy relationship. Maybe it's an unhealthy friendship that's not bringing life to you, that's kind of just sucking the life out of you. I don't know. Maybe it's 
Maybe it's a, a, you're a slave to comparison. I know with ladies, a lot of us like to compare, and but sometimes it can have control over you, right? It can, you know, you go on social media and you look at this person's house and this person's holidays and what they've eaten and their kids and their achievements, and before you know it, you're like, oh man, I wish I had that and this and that, and you fail to see that you're enough. You fail to see that you you have enough, and perhaps it's your past. Maybe it's your past. Maybe you carry guilt and shame, and, but God doesn't want you to live like that. He doesn't want you to live with guilt and shame. He wants you free. He wants to redeem you, his redeeming love. He wants to set you free. I know some Christians that have been Christians for years that are still battling with that, but God wants to set you free. He wants to break those chains. Maybe it's addiction. There's different forms. It comes in different forms. Maybe it's pornography. I don't know. Maybe it's work. We can be addicted to work. We feel like we've got to prove ourselves. We're working every weekend, late hours. I'm not saying working late hours is bad or weekends, but if, you, if there's no boundaries, you feel like you have to prove yourself over and over and over. I don't know. I don't know what's, what your Egypt is, but God's redeeming love is here tonight, and he wants to set you free. He wants to bring you into that promised land, into the more that he has for you. Romans 8 verse 16, the message version says this, all your lives you've let sin, and I put in brackets there, okay, fear, whether it's fear, or it's that no good boyfriend, or overbearing boss at work, or addiction, or your past, all your lives you've let sin tell you what to do, but God, but thank God you've started listening to a new master, one whose command sets you free to live openly in his freedom. And let him be your master, girls. Not anything or anyone else. Jesus. Jesus, your master. Lord God, your master. Lord God. And um, I'm just going to quickly share this, but a beautiful... uh, I would really encourage you ladies to read the book of Ruth. It's just a beautiful picture of God's redeeming love. Uh, It's a a love story between Boaz and Ruth. And Boaz is this rich landowner. And Ruth is working the fields in his garden. And he notices her. It's it's very beautiful. And um, he soon finds out that she's a widow. And he has mercy and compassion on her. And he marries her. And it turns out that he's actually a relative of her mom-in-law, Naomi, who's also widowed. And in those days, you must know, a widow had, didn't have much. The husbands would be the ones that would provide and protect for them, protect them. Um, you know, if they'd lost their husbands, if they were widowed, there weren't many options for them. They had to completely, completely rely on the generosity of others. And, um, but this Boaz, which is a picture of God for us today, he redeems her. He redeems Ruth by marrying her. And he redeems Naomi as well and this family. And he redeems the inherited land that they were going to lose because of the death of their husbands. And I just feel that Boaz is just such a beautiful picture of God's redeeming love for us, that he wants to restore you and he wants to provide for you and he wants to redeem you. Read Ruth. It's incredible. Um, I feel like God wants to redeem things that have been lost and stolen. And I don't, know, I don't know if it's purity, if it's your dignity, if it's your value, your self-worth. Perhaps it's a lost or a broken marriage. Or maybe a husband who has, 
who was taken too quickly from you. Perhaps it's the death of a loved one. God wants to redeem you tonight. He's redeeming love over you. And I really want you to listen. I know I'm going quite long on this point, but this is what God says. Isaiah 54. This is what he says to you girls. This is beautiful. Fear not. You will no longer live in shame. Don't be afraid. There is no more disgrace for you. You will no longer remember the shame of your youth and the sorrows of widowhood, for your creator will be your husband. He is your redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, the God of all the earth. For the Lord has called you back from your grief as though you were a young wife abandoned by her husband, says your God. With great compassion, I will take you back. With everlasting love, I will have compassion on you, says the Lord, your redeemer. My faithful love for you will, re will remain. My covenant of blessing will never be broken. And isn't that beautiful that he is your redeemer? He is your redeemer. No more shame, no more guilt, no more grief. Maybe you've been rejected tonight. Maybe you've been rejected over and over. I don't know your story. God knows your story, and he wants to be your redeemer. He wants to set you free. Okay, number two, um, personal love. God's love is a personal love. Going back to the Exodus story, God chose Israel as his own people out of all the nations of the earth. They were a chosen people. And in the same way today, God chooses you and I, but he chooses us personally. He knows you personally. He knows your story. And um, he didn't choose Israel because they were this great, powerful, mighty nation, righteous nation. It says in Deuteronomy 7, verse 7, it says, The Lord did not set his affection on you and choose you because you were more numerous than other peoples, for you were the fewest of all peoples. But it was because the Lord loved you. It was because the Lord loved you that he chose you. God chose Israel, this tiny, tiny, funny little nation, to be his people because he loved them. Only because he loved them. And in the same way, God chooses you tonight, ma'am. God chooses you tonight, not because of how smart or pretty or clever or because of how righteous you are, but because he loves you. He always has. And 1 John 4 verse 10 says, this is love. Not that we loved him, but that he loved us. This is love, girls. This is love. Not that we loved him, but that he loved us. We love because he first loved us. God loves you. God loves you. God loves you. Do you know that? God loves you. He loves you so much. He's chosen you. He's chosen you. He's loved you right from the beginning when you were conceived in, you know, in the depths of your mother's womb. He knew all the days ordained for you. He knew all your days before one of them came to be. He loves you. He loves you so much. And um, in verse 6, Deuteronomy, um, in verse 6, it says, The Lord your God has chosen you out of all the peoples on the face of the earth to be his people, his treasured possession. I love that. We get to be called his treasured possession. He not only chooses us, but he chooses us as his treasured possession. I don't know if you've ever had a treasured possession, but, you know, you'll... You'll make sure that this thing is looked after and cared for and nobody touches it. It's yours. You know, this is your treasured possession. This is what God says about you. God loves you. 
God chose you. God says you're his treasured possession. And I feel God is saying to you tonight, you're my girl. You're my girl. You're my girl. You're my girl. You're my treasured possession. In my marriage, um, <laughs> I, I know that I am loved. I really do. I know, I must say, I'm very blessed to have an incredible, he's not perfect, but an incredible man like Mark. And um, I know that I'm loved. I know that I'm adored. Mark tells me all the time, oh, you're my beautiful girl, my girl. I love you. And um, he showers his affection over me. You know, you might have seen him twirling my hair. I don't know if you've seen that. I get a bit annoyed and then I like, you know, hit his hand away because it's distracting to everybody. But, um, you know, I haven't, with, with, there's been no, absolutely no doubt in my heart of his love for me. Not for one second. And I can say that with all honesty. Over, I, think it's, I think it's 17 years that we've been married. Can't remember. 17 years. Mark, are you watching? Um, I'm not good with numbers. But I do. I feel like I'm his treasure. I feel like I'm his treasure. And I'm so secure in his love for me. I'm so secure. And um, I remember dating Mark. This was, I think I met him four, oh no, we started dating four months after I got radically saved and God was doing a radical work in my life. Um, I was so in love with Jesus. I was one of those crazy Christians that was just jumping around everywhere and worship and dancing and going mad and um, running to prayer meeting. And I just felt filled with the Holy Spirit for, I don't know, the first three, four months, it was crazy. And um, there was no time for dating. There were no time for guys. I'm dating Jesus, okay? God, Jesus is busy with me. But um, Mark kept pursuing me, like he kept, <laughs> we were friends, and we had a good laugh together, and we would have fun together, but he kept coming after me, like um, he asked me out a few times, and I'd say no um, a few times, <laughs> and then he'd come again, and I'd say no, I love Jesus, and then he says, oh, but that makes me love you more. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. Sorry, Mark. Um, <laughs> but I was just so amazed that he was, he was so secure in himself that he knew what he wanted, this is what he wanted, and I'm going to get this no matter what. And um, yeah, it took me a while for my eyes to be open. And, but eventually I said yes, and it's been just amazing. But I've never been pursued like that. And I, I feel like, like God is he's pursuing us. I think God is showing me a new kind of aspect of his love that he pursues us. You know, um, he comes after us. He pursues you because you, you're his treasured possession. In Song of Songs 2, verse 89, I love this. It's just a picture of Jesus and his bride, Song of Songs. It's a, a beautiful love relationship between a husband and his wife. And it says this, listen, my beloved, look, here he comes, leaping over the mountains, bounding over the hills. If Mark could do that, I swear he would. <laughs> um, my beloved is like a gazelle or a young stag. Look. There he stands behind our wall, gazing through the windows, peering through the lattice. And I just feel like God, this is how much God wants us. This is how much God longs to be with us, how much he, he just can't wait to be with us. And he wants to romance us and he wants to have time with us. And um, we put up these walls, right? These lattices um, of fear and doubt and insecurity and feeling unworthy. And, but he's peering through the windows, and he's peering through the lattice. This is how much 
you mean to him. This is how much you mean to him, and he's coming after you. He's coming after you. So we may put those walls up, but he's coming, and God has always loved you. God chooses you personally, girls. God knows your story, and God says you're his treasured possession. God's love is personal, and he comes after you. Okay, so number three, God's love is a sacrificial love. And I think in the world, love is anything but sacrificial when it comes to the world. Hey, and understanding love, it's anything but sacrificial. I remember being in one or two relationships where it was all about what you can do for me, how you can satisfy me. Uh, you know, it's got a, a lot to do with, um, yeah, what you can do for me and all of that. And, you know, not a m- much of sacrifice was given. Hey, it's true. And, um, you know, even there's some marriages that it's like a contract. If you do this, then I will do this. And if you do that, then I will do this. And if you don't do this, then I won't do that. But this is not God's way. And God's love is completely opposite. It's a sacrificial love. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. That's gospel. For God so loved the world, he loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Out of love for us, the Father gives us his son Jesus as a sacrifice for our sin and our brokenness so that we can come close to him. We can come close to the Father. In John 16, verse 13, it says, Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friend. This is what Jesus does for you girls. This is the sacrificial love of God the Father and the sacrificial love of Jesus Christ for you personally. And um, going back to the Exodus story, the Israelites, you know, had Moses as their priest. And in the Old Testament, this is how things were done. People couldn't really speak to God, didn't have a personal relationship with God. The um, priest, there was always one priest that would do all these sacrifices to cleanse them of their sin and, um, you know, forgive their sins and all of that. But, But today we have Jesus. We have Jesus as our priest I love reading the Old Testament because it kind of just highlights what we've actually got today. I love, I love, I know sometimes it can get a little boring, some of the, the Old Testament stories, <laughs> but um, it really is just such a beautiful picture of what Jesus has done for us today, that we are brought individually through Jesus' sacrifice to our own personal experience of his acceptance and his delight. You are his delight. You are his delight, his possession, his treasured possession. In Hebrews 10, verse 19 to 22, um, it says this, Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, only by the blood of Jesus, that's why we can come confident, confidently to him at any time. Let us draw near. There needs to be a response. We need to draw near with confidence and know that we have a loving Father in heaven who wants to hear from us, who longs to hear from us, who longs to to be with us. Um, Yeah, such a privilege, hey, to have this relationship. Isn't it a privilege that we get to have this beautiful relationship with God and we have exclusive access to his heart? It's so beautiful. Let's move into God's redeeming love, his personal love, and his sacrificial love. And then number four, I just felt like God wanted to highlight his jealous love. And not jealous in a sense of, in um, a negative sense, but 
a healthy jealousy, if you can call it that. Um, let's have an honest moment here, girls. Who doesn't want a little jealous love in our lives? We all wouldn't mind someone being a bit jealous for us, hey? Makes us feel good. <laughs> someone to fight for us, someone to stand up for us. I mean, this is what God does for us. I remember a funny story in honeymoon, on our honeymoon, we went to Thailand and um, we were at a nightclub. <laughs> Yes, that's what we did. We went to a nightclub, dancing. We love to dance. And um, one of these guys pinched me on the backside. And Mark saw this, and I could just see this rage and this fury, just like, you know, his face just went red. And I think he actually, I don't know, I said to Mark, just remind me of the story. Did you punch him? Did you slap him? What did you do? He's like, I don't know, but I was just angry. And, you know, and it's just such a, it's such a cool picture that actually God's jealous for our love. He's jealous for our love. He's jealous for our undivided devotion and affection for him. And it's for us not to share our love with anyone else but him. He needs to be the number one. He needs to be number one in our lives. And, um, I love the parable Jesus told about um, the kingdom of heaven and, and being like a treasure hidden in a field. And I'm just going to read in Matthew 13, verse 44. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. And I feel like God would want us to discover him as this treasure, that we find this treasure, and it's so beautiful and so crazy beautiful. <laughs> I don't have the words. My words are so limited. But um, that everything else becomes less valuable, that he would have the highest place, the most value in our lives, that everything else, work, kids, family, uh, whatever, ministry, would, you know, would you just cannot compare with the value of Jesus Christ and um, that he would have the highest praise. And I feel God asks us tonight, what do you value the most? Where do you find your joy, your delight, your pleasure? Because we need to find it in Jesus. And actually you can. Some of you might be thinking, gosh, really? What's this girl on about? <laughs> you can. I've experienced it, and many, many have, that we can have this most exquisite, delightful, beautiful, intimate relationship with Jesus, and it gets better and better. He is jealous for your love. He wants to have the highest value in your life. So I've shared four aspects of God's love, but there's so much more. It's such a big topic, um, and I just wanted to say it's from this place of love, of of knowing God's love and knowing his love for us, that God wants us to live our lives from a place of love. It should be, this should be the foundation. This should be um, the everything. From this stems everything that we do and everything that we are. And um, in Ephesians 3, this is so beautiful. Ephesians 3, verse 17 to 19. This is the voice version. It says this. Okay. May love be the rich soil where your life takes root. May it be the bedrock where your lives are founded so that together with all of God's people, you will have the power to understand that the love of the anointed is infinitely long, wide, high, and deep, surpassing everything anyone previously experienced. And I just love this. Love must be our foundation and our swirl. The reason why I'm speaking about love tonight is not only for you to kind of have a more of a revelation of God's love, but I really, it's, it's, 
from this place of love that we are who we are, we find our identity and our security, and we do what we do. We don't do what God's called us to for his love, but from a place of his love. And um, I just want to end off with this, that God wants us to respond to his love. And he wants us to respond, girls. And um, this story of uh, Jesus where he appears to his disciples after he's died on the cross and he's resurrected and he appears to his disciples again and um, he confronts Peter and he says, and he asks Peter a question three times over. You've got to know this is important if he's asking it three times over. There's something, yeah. And you've got to know that Peter denied Jesus three times. Peter ran away with the rest of the disciples when Jesus got crucified. And um, he felt like a failure. He felt like he'd lost something that was so precious that Jesus would never love or trust him again. And Jesus asks him, Peter, do you love me? And I feel like God is asking us all tonight, do you love me? Do you love me? So intimately, he's asking you tonight, do you love me, my girl? Shelley, do you love me? Vanessa, do you love me? Do you love me? And um, despite your failures, despite some of the things that you feel you're not good enough or not worthy enough, do you love me? And he's reminding us tonight of this love relationship, and he's wanting a response. And Peter responds, and he says, Lord, you know that I love you. I love you. And you ask him again, do you love me? And he says, God, you know all things. You know that I love you. You ask him three times. And then he says, feed my sheep. Look after my lambs. He reinstates Peter with the mission and the mandate, and he reminds him of the why. It's because of this love relationship. It's from this love relationship that we are called to do what, we are, what he's called us to do. This love is not only for ourselves. There's a mission and mandate on every single one of us here to share God's love to a lost and broken world, a world that has no clue about love, has no clue. And Jesus asks you tonight, do you love me? Serve your family. Do you love me? Love your husband. Do you love me? Be honest and faithful at work. Share my love with work colleagues. Study hard. I don't know. Do you love me? He's reminding us of the why. We do his work. And because of our love for him and his love for us, we'll do anything, right, for the one we love. I want us to get to that place where we'll do anything for him. We'll do anything for Jesus. We'll do anything for him. Everything we do must come from this place. So let's move into his love, girls. Let's move into his redeeming love, his personal love, his sacrificial love, his jealous love. And let's respond by loving him back and doing all that he's called us to do, sharing his love with a broken world.